what some Canadians are calling your favorite podcast. That's right, it's the Carpet Chat. I am not your Canadian host, Shook. I am your American host, FFG. Joining me, as is not quite always the case, but generally the case, the man who looks like Fabio Vieira, but plays more like Martin Odegaard. He is our technical leader. Nomics, how are you today? I'm good. I know that a lot of people have been waiting for this podcast on this Sunday evening. Um, people have been talking about this day for a while, mostly because they, they look at it as a big three day. You have the Wimbledon final this morning, and then the messy yep. reveal, and then it's the Carpet Chat episode drop. Those are the three that people were talking about all week, and it's finally here. So we hope to give you guys some good hashtag content. I, I did see someone say Messi coming to MLS is the biggest thing to happen in American soccer since the Carpet Chat launched, actually. That's what they're um, saying. Um, so we're going to give them a show today. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to do our best to perform up to the level. The bar is constantly being raised. And Leo Messi, I'm sure you're trying to get integrated into American culture. I'm sure you're going to be listening to some American podcasts. You are welcome to come on for our, our summer series at, at any point in time. Uh, you will be limited to half an hour. It will still be a 30-minute episode. But Messi, please, uh, my people can get in touch with your people, I'm sure. Um. Other things to happen, of course, incredibly notably on the Carpet Chat, we are on our new summer schedule. Um, This is week one of our summer schedule, which is the summer series, 30-minute episodes featuring very special guests every Monday, and our regular full-length, although ideally not two and a half hours like our Goodbye Granite Shaka episode, regular Carpet Chats on Fridays. Uh, This is our first week of doing that, so of course we had to immediately break our schedule, destroy the entire concept, Uh, but that's because we heard word that the Declan Rice transfer would be made official come Saturday, so we had to give it a wait. We waited for Shook. Uh, Shook is facing a medical dilemma, perhaps as a result of making us wait on Saturday. It's unclear. Um, Perhaps Shook's enemies have poisoned him. Um... We're aware of what's going on with Shook. He's not giving me the go-ahead to reveal his medical condition, though. But if I get that go-ahead during the episode, I will let you know at home. So please stay tuned, if only to hear what is going on with Shook medically today. Um, but the main thing to come from our Carpet Chat Summer Series, our first guest on Monday was the notorious ITK Fox. Nomics, I know you've got a certain amount of beef with everyone's, uh, if not favorite, at least top five Animal Arsenal ITKs and Fox. Would you like to share your thoughts, your reaction to Monday's episode that Fox did with Shook and I? I, I need to, I think, make an apology first, uh, mostly because at the Carpet Chat, there's two things that we really strive for, and that's one, good content, and B, reliable information. And we failed on both accounts uh, last week. Going to point number one on good content, we, the summer series was supposed to bring in some um, long-time Discord users that we have uh, grown to know and love. Uh, the, the host that I will not name last week is more of a recent addition to Discord, and interactions with him have been limited up until about a month and a half ago. Uh, so we apologize to those that are waiting in line to be on the carpet chat, and we will get the quality people in soon and on the second front regarding uh the podcast being kind of a a lighthouse for reliable information so to say um there were some words spewed by uh a specific guest last week uh talking about specific links um and we apologize for the absolute um bullshit of that claim uh, at the Carpet Chat, we try to be very clear of when we're being sarcastic and when we're being truthful. Uh, most of the time, uh, as you probably can tell, is that we are not serious people. As a, as, a, as a Logan Roy once said to his kids, we are not serious people. And we we know that. We wear that, we wear that on our sleeves. Um, and, and sometimes we become a serious podcast by accident. And I think that's what happened last week. So let me, let me just ease... Let me just... Let me just um, apologize because I'm going to kill a clown today. Uh, Mbappe is not coming to Arsenal. Uh, not because he wouldn't fit us, but because we are not going to spend that money. And if, but if we, are gonna, if we would spend that money, yes, we would probably go for him. Secondly, if there's any links to us with a Harry Kane, once again, he is not coming to Arsenal. Harry Kane is not coming to Arsenal. He, he, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, 
and there's other links that uh, the specific person has, uh, or animal, has made over the last few weeks. And just want to let you know, if you want to go on Twitter and just type in Arsenal uh, Close or Arsenal Bid for on on the search uh, tab on Twitter, you will have just as reliable information and be able to make your own Transformers up. Uh, and you can bring your own Transformers to work. Let's call it Bring Your Transfer Rumor to Work Day. And you do that any day of the week that you want to do, and that is exactly the, the standard that or the level that the previous pod had brought. So I apologize. My co-hosts knew that um, they, they believed that it was all, a, a, for lack of a better term, a bit. But, you know, some people may not see it that way. So we hope that, uh, I hope at least, that I've cleared up any air, and we are not an ITK podcast, seriously aren't. We are an unserious ITK podcast, and we hope to continue that moving forward because we do not want our reputation to be tainted. And that is a great apology from Nomics from our episode a few weeks ago, which Nomics claimed Kylian Mbappe was coming to Arsenal. Uh, I'm not sure why you addressed that as if it wasn't you saying that, Nomics, but uh, I'm sure the fans back at home, they're they're very thankful that you've cleared the air on, on that previous ITK rumor that you so viciously shared on this podcast. Um, now, of course, when Kylian Mbappe does come to the Arsenal, it will be me and me alone responsible for it, and he will play only for my approval. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that's all we do in terms of waffling on this pod, because despite Nomics' best effort, this is a very serious and very focused podcast, and we have a lot to cover. Transfers, obviously, are the dominant story today. We waited for the Declan Rice announcement. We watched the six different videos based on the Declan Rice announcement, uh, all of which the non-Arsenal ones were better than the Arsenal announcements. So, you know, kudos to uh, Adidas, to Declan Rice's Instagram team, to everyone who doesn't work for Arsenal on just doing a much better job at this than Arsenal does. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, we have a little appetizer, um, because now makes, you know, some folks believe that uh, there is more to association football than transfers. Some believe that the games are actually important, too. And while those people are wrong, we do uh, appreciate their perspective. So let's begin with a game that allegedly was played. Um, I watched it in German with my, my VPN, and by that I mean I traveled to Germany, of course, to watch the YouTube stream. Uh, others, I'm sure, paid the club $8 or £8 perhaps to view it that way. Uh, Nomics, I think we can just do the standard routine. We did an IR live in Waiting Room 2, and we welcome all listeners to join us for the Carpet Chat Presents Disco Boys Instant Reaction live from Waiting Room 2. We will be doing it, if not every game, then as many as we can this season. But let's still break it down with our typical format, Nomics. Who is your clickbait headline from Arsenal 1, Nuremberg 1, in a friendly? Uh, Battle Gun has arrived. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of smoke in the air regarding what exactly is going to happen with uh, a certain American hero, Flo Battle Gun. And I think we saw that he may belong in this side more than Eddie. And... and we we uh, let me just get get straight to it. He had one and a half bad misses. We had a half chance that he probably should have scored, and one he should you should have scored. But the 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 point is that he got himself in those positions to make those big chance misses. You know, and w- w- as much as we love Gabriel Jesus, he does something very similar. He makes he has a lot of big chances missed, but he gets himself in that position. And then we have someone named Eddie and Kedia, or. 100k Eddie and 100k per week yeah um he was a ghost all game he his body language was not good all game it seemed like he couldn't be asked to do the work when he was on the wing it seems like he tried maybe a little bit when he got pushed to the middle for about 10 minutes but the point is he is not good enough um I know it's preseason but if there's one thing Eddie loves to do is show up against league cup sides and show up in preseason. Those are the two things that he's good at. And it seems like he's not doing the second thing right now. Um, perhaps it'll change. Perhaps he'll be able to stay in Germany an extra week and uh, and do those PEDs that he did last year. But it does not look unlikely right now. So, uh, just cutting it short, I think Balog- Balogun has a future in our team. If I was me, I'd rather keep him over in Kedia. 
And But the truth of the matter is we probably sell Balogun or we sell both of them and not the opposite, uh, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, you know, I thought Balogun... Highs and lows for Balogun. So the highs, you're right. He got in position to have one and a half dangerous misses, which is obviously the, the core tenant of striker play, right? Um, most of these guys just about perform their XG. Again, Balogun probably not a freakish finisher who's going to go full Hunman's son and outperform. But he keeps getting in those positions. He will keep scoring. The low is not that he missed the chances. We, we accept that. We understand that finishing is variance. The low is that this man was really out here trying in preseason, and not just in any preseason, in the... Nuremberg game, the game against Bundesliga 2, the team whose claim to fame is being close to the Adidas company, uh, campus, sorry, company campus, I went company there, in Germany. So that's highly embarrassing for my guy. That is not the American way. I have watched a lot of preseason American football in my time. Um, I have gotten very drunk at many spring training games in my time. You are not supposed to be trying out there if you are a serious American athlete. I, I think... You have the exact opposite. Americans are known for trying too hard and try and being and being as my English friends call it, we're busy. We're be we're busy bees because we try too hard in everything. We try too hard at work. We try too hard at sports. We try too hard to be liked. So, I think he was doing the exact American thing that he that he's supposed to do as a newly bred American hero. He was trying, and I think that is how he, he got his, for lack of a better term, stars and stripes on his arm this uh, this uh, summer. Uh, so I think you're wrong on that. I think that's a high that he tried. That he tried. Maybe the low was that um, was, was that he was playing, he only did well when all the other subs came on for Nuremberg. But he was trying, and that's the most American thing he could possibly do. It's that Brooklyn work ethic, which right, you know, I uh, certainly have connections to that particular borough as well, so... You know, me and Balogun were not that different in that way. Uh, my headline of the week, I, I saw some people really overreacting to a certain player's performance. And, and obviously I saw then the counter reaction from those who know better. Uh, a lot of people who really claim to understand football, they were explaining. Jakob Kivior, he didn't have a great game progressing the ball. He gave the ball away a lot. All he did was look tall and stand where Zinchenko usually stands. And my headline of the week is Jakob Kivior. He is tall, and he can stand where Zinchenko usually stands. I am all in on Jakob Kivior. Inverting from left back, I don't care what his pass percentage was. I don't care how non-progressive his passes were. And I sure as hell don't care about however many giveaways he had in dangerous areas. My man was out there playing inverted left back while being a physical specimen of a center back. And he looked vaguely like maybe he belongs. Now, obviously, if we're out here playing against Liverpool or Man City or something, and we have Jakob Kivior tucking into the midfield, we're probably in a little bit of danger. It's probably not a great thing. But this man looks less awkward on the ball than a Kieran Tierney. He looks less awkward on the ball than a Rob Holding. And just the very idea that he can go stand in those positions, whether he's doing it effectively or not, says so much about this player, about his confidence, about his ability to play his game and not just be forced to play within himself, uh, and the way that he grew in the run-in last season. Uh, again, he was playing a very limited role in the run-in last year. He was playing on his wrong foot. He made a costly mistake against Liverpool, a pretty, pretty odd, pretty out of place in his first game before his run of starts. And we're seeing what a liberated, what a free, what a relaxed Jakob Kivior can look like. And that's a guy who's got a little bit of swag to him, a little bit of sauce, a little bit of comfort on the ball. You couple that with his size, which does count. They don't take away the points because your center backs are too big. With his speed, which some have claimed broke Theo Walcott's sprint record. I still have never seen any proof of that outside of a random unsourced tweet. And I think we got ourselves a nice little prospect here. Maybe a guy who could be a hell of a player one day in Jakob Kivior. Yeah, uh, you don't have to uh, twist my arm with this because we, I think we all know that I'm the number one uh, Zinchenko critic on this pod. Um, I, I think you're spot on with your analysis. I think he's going to grow into that role. He'll never be technically as sound as Zinchenko will be, but if he can get the positioning down, he can get the the sideways passing the same, if he can get the he's going to have better defensive numbers than Zinchenko will, then it's it's a, it's an upgrade, I think, on many fronts. Um, 
And when you think about it, Zinchenko's not pinging balls 40, 50 yards in the, that position, right? He He's just controlling it. He's the guy who I'll support behind you if you get stuck. We'll play quick one-twos and you're good to go around, essentially. Uh, he's not flying into the box. He's not running down the wing and crossing the ball in. He's not doing any of that stuff that you expect someone who we praise so much to do if they're that technically sound. I think Zinchenko just brought a refreshing role to that left back. Uh, he brought a something we don't we knew Tierney could never do with the way he moves with the ball, the way he laterally passes the ball, the quick passes, it's small. Uh, Small spaces passing, the turns. That stuff I think uh, Kivior can can really uh, improve on. And to make it all, to wrap it all up with a bow, I don't think I've seen Jakob Kivior post a, a Benjamin Mendy uh, 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 post in, on Instagram or comment on Instagram after certain charges were uh, dropped or found not guilty. So that's another win in my book, right? Uh, Anybody who doesn't openly support that person, uh, they get an extra little star next to their name. So, yeah, I, I'm all for this uh, renaissance that Jakob Kivior could possibly bring. Now, uh, our typical format here would be a chub of the week into a slander center. We know this is preseason. Uh, not mixed. Both of our headlines were essentially chubs of the week. Are we good to just get into the slander, just really cut to the meat and potatoes, give ourselves a little warm-up here? I would. I just want to give a small, um, a very small uh, chub of the week to Ethan Enwineri. Can't pronounce his name. I'm going to call him Ethan. I thought it was Wanieri. Is it Wanieri? Easier for me to remember. Fine. Uh, Ethan Wanieri. That's going to be easier for me. Um, some other podcasters, large and small, think that he... He grew a beard too quickly, so now he won't grow as much, and it's a concern because, as we all know famously, footballers can't be good if they are too short. I think we all know that's never been there's never been a football player in history under the uh, five foot nine that has been good at the sport. Uh, don't fact check me, don't Google that. Just trust me because once again, we're a bas- a lighthouse information on this pod. Uh, so yeah, I-, I think on a serious note, um, he was great. When Ari was great, I think he looked sharp. He looked like he wasn't scared of the... I mean, moment's a tough word, right? He wasn't scared of being called up to the first team to play some minutes early in preseason when he knows the manager's looking at how am I going to build the squad going forward, which it's obviously it's not everything. It's not the it's not starting a game in the Premier League, but it's, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. Um, he's coming off a fresh contract, turned down City, turned down Chelsea. Um, and I, I have high hopes for him. Maybe not too high, but I think he's going to play more than we if it, more than we think he will for the first team this season, albeit maybe FA Cup, maybe uh, the League Cup. Uh, I, I think injuries c- come up in the midfield, attacking midfield position. I think he might be the first one that we, we put on the bench. Um he looked like he belonged, I think. I think he, he, you didn't look at him and say, oh, he's a 15-year-old kid who can't play. He, it was, oh, he's a, I think it might be 16 now. He's a 16-year-old kid who is, is going to develop into something special. If he stays the same height, I think I'm still okay with him. I'll tell you that much. Uh, good uh, good center of gravity. Um, he looks like he's just built really well to the ground. And I'll transition this to my slander center. It's the exact opposite of Fabio Vieira because Fabio Vieira looks like he's filled with helium. It looks like he gets pushed off the ball super easily. He's going to fly away. And that brings me to my slander center, and that's Fabio Vieira. Um, He had two good passes the whole game. Other than that, he was just dreadful. Sure, he wasn't planned to start. Uh, A late scratch, as they say in baseball, uh, with Odegaard made Vieira start. But we have to be expecting more from him this season, um, and especially in preseason first game. I understand this is a, a glorified a glorified fitness session. We might as well watch these players run on treadmills for two, for 90 minutes. Uh, be the same exact outcome for us. I would um, watch that. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully that drops soon at the on Arsenal's YouTube, like other announcements they've made recently. Uh, so yeah, it, the air was really bad. Am I am I panicking yet? No, I don't think I'm panicking yet. Uh, I, I've, I've always said after everybody slandered Vieira last season that I was going to give him a full season or at least half a season after having that first season to adapt. I did the same thing with Sambi, and Sambi was terrible in that first few months of last season. Um, 
So we'll see what Vieira does. We'll see what he does. But he has to. He has to take a leap. I don't think. I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't think he should take a leap. Not even just to be like, oh, he's gonna be world class. Just be that guy who we can rely on. He can come off the bench, kind of like a young Phil Foden in a way, like very young Phil Foden. When he would come off the bench and he'd be like, okay, this kid is gonna be good in the future. We don't have to worry about it. We don't know that right now, Vieira. We don't know if he's gonna be good in the future. We know he has a talent to be good in the future, but we we haven't seen any progression since he joined this side. And you can go ahead and tell your friends they will not believe Hunamix compared to Phil Foden. He started his sentence with Ethan Laniri and ended with a Phil Foden comp, and he did not go from A to B. So you you will be shocked to find out. Um, I'll, I'll give my little my little chub of the week. I'm just going to shout out. I think Cedric Suarez. I, this may very well have been the last time we see him in the red and white. Uh, he's not on the U.S. tour. This this might have been it for Cedric, and uh, what a run it's been. Um, you know, Cedric, uh, five, eight, not very fast out of shape. Doesn't really get back, uh, cause he runs forward and then doesn't want to track back and defend. Um, all those words could be used to describe me. And, uh, I really do see a lot of myself in Cedric Suarez and, uh, he, he's been quite someone to look up to, you know, someone to kind of self insert off of at the arsenal and, and we'll miss him dearly. Um, more seriously, maybe I'll, I'll shout out the other Academy kids. Uh, Miles Lewis Skelly, uh, he, he had the giveaway in the first uh, untelevised preseason game. and had uh, MLS so- on top, right? MLS on top, finally. There you have it. MLS not going to America to play MLS because that would be too confusing. Had a couple nifty passes in this one. And uh, Rural Walters, the uh, main enemy of Scott Willis, as some have argued, and, and noted Fortnite map maker, as others have noted. Um, looked really solid. Again, he came in, he played some right center back minutes, again, delivered some nice passes, looked comfortable on the ball, uh, looked probably too small to be a, a Premier League center back at Arsenal, but we certainly play some center back-ish fullbacks, and uh, who knows? Could be possible for Walters as well, um, as well as, of course, for Cedric Suarez, which if, if this was the end of Cedric's time at Arsenal, uh, just a great way to go out, you know? Just uh, whiffing on a pass, not sending the ball to a wide-open Kai Havertz for a tap-in, and instead... Uh, shooting the ball into the stands. Uh, just a lot to remember Cedric by. He is an icon, uh, and he is a European champion, which remains very funny. Uh, my slander center is a little tricky because, you know, Fabio Vieira is everyone's slander center, and he is certainly who I was trying to slander in this one. Um, who else is there even to slander in this game? I thought most of the other starters were great. Uh, you don't want to touch on shy perverts? No, Kai Havertz, again, Kai Havertz did nothing in this game. Kai Havertz was was speed walking in this game. Kai Havertz's sprint speed in this game was very similar to mine when I'm on the treadmill, uh, jogging with the treadmill set at like 4.5 miles per hour. Like, Kai Havertz is too cool for this preseason game, and he was walking out there, uh, forced to play between Kieran Tierney and Cedric Suarez, just absolutely shameful. Uh, I'm going to slander a guy who's uh, probably not going to get slandered often, but I'm going to slander Carl Hine. Um, not because there's anything wrong with Carl Hine having a mare out there. He's a young goalkeeper. He's Estonia's number one. He's promising. I hope he comes good, whether it's for Arsenal or elsewhere. But there was nothing but this being a preseason match and a little bit of finishing luck stopping that Hine performance from being just as bad as the Runnerson versus Man City performance. Um, that one, I think it was a free kick that basically hit him in the head after it went between his hands and the follow-up ricocheted off the crossbar and went out. That is just as bad as that clip of Rudderson, like knocking the ball down with his hands and it's spinning into his own goal against City. Um, so I understand it's better to have that mare against Nuremberg in preseason than against Man City in a cup tie. But there was very little, and most of it was luck, standing between that Carl Hine performance and the infamous death of runner Alex Rutterson performance. So maybe I'll just I'll flag that and make Carl Hine my slander center. Yeah, I'm not going to touch too much on it, but it seems like every year against Nuremberg, for two, well, I guess for two straight near years, we have goalkeeper howlers. I believe Matt Turner didn't have a very good game against Nuremberg last year. I don't year. think Turner shipped anything bad in. I, I think he transmitted panic. With his, it was yes, one of those, think, we don't yeah. think this guy can pass, so we're going to freak out and pretend his passes are disastrous. Yeah. Exactly. So, But I just think it's a good trend to continue. Um Who's that other backup keeper, Nkokuno, uh, whatever we pronounce uh, Arthur Nkunkwo, I believe it is. Yeah, I think he had a very, pretty poor game last preseason, too, and got us panicking. Uh, and we were saying we hope Ramsdell stays healthy the whole season. I I, I don't see us needing Carl Hine this upcoming season. Um, 
But, you know, he, he, yeah, he didn't have a good one. I mean, technically it was a Jorginho own goal, if I recall correctly. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't... I, I it heard wasn't some good. suggesting that Jorginho should do more. That, that demonstrates a problem I, with Jorginho. I think our, I think our real slander center, is, uh, slander center should be um, Inaki Kana, Inaki Kana, because what are you doing with these non first choice keepers um i i thought he was a goalkeeper whisperer but it seems like he's been pretty bad for everybody not named runnerson and half of matt turner because i will still worry about matt turner nah maddie t's become an elite ball playing keeper and uh he just couldn't deliver that u.s uh i think i hear they're calling it an f team now they've demoted it from b team all the way to f team uh to a gold cup final um, which thankfully there is apparently no third place game in the Gold Cup, which is good because uh, I probably would have forced myself to watch that, and that's not good for me. Uh, moving on, I think from the the meaningless stuff, i.e., on field football, to the important stuff, transfers. We're gonna build up to Daddy Decker's big Declan Rice. So we're gonna start off with Jurian Timber. Uh, there is a soft J. So I've listened to him pronounce his name a few times now. There is a soft J that I really cannot get. We're probably better off just saying Urian Timber, but there is a very soft J there. I can hear it, and that's my main note for this guy. And, um, and we can confirm it is not Julian Timber. There might be, uh, again, we know he has a, a twin brother. We know uh, Viv Miedema was kind of giving him some flack because his brother plays for uh, plays for PSV, whereas uh, he plays for Ajax. So, uh, maybe there's another Timber brother out there who is named Julian. You, you never know. Uh, it's better place for Feyenoord. Not there. There are too many teams in this Dutch league. I think they they need to. There's only three, there's only three teams. Everybody knows though. You know, it still left me with a fifty-fifty, and that's a dangerous place to leave me. Uh, Namix, you claim to be the man who understands Timber. He's come in. He says he can play center back, right back, midfield. I think there's no position for this guy besides playing right back, either as an inverted Zinchenko type, or maybe doing a bit more of the Ben White. Uh, is that what you see, or do you see more positional versatility from this guy than I'm recognizing? I think he's a player you need to have on the pitch. Um, I think it's going to take time for him to adapt. Uh, I have a sneaky feeling. It's not going to be immediate. I think he's really going to push Ben White for that right back spot. I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be, at one point, it's going to be 50-50, and then it's going to be like situational starts. Like, who are we playing? Who are we going to start in this position? Uh, I think there's going to be moments we see him in midfield. Um, per, mostly I, I, if I, I see that happening in like a League Cup game or if if we need to hunker down the fort a little bit against a bigger team, you bring him to midfield and you have him there. Uh, I don't see him at center back. I think unless an injury occurs, I still think uh, Tomiyasu would have a would have a would the role behind both center backs if one of them were to go down before Timber. Uh I think for me, it's mostly the height thing. Um, it, it, I, the way Arteta likes his center backs to look. but And I think he might even move Ben White to center back before he moves Timber to center back. So I think it's mostly going to be right back, occasional center back. I mean, occasional center mid, and then uh, center back third. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a, a transformational player for us in that we can play the Zinchenko role on the other side. Uh, we can play two Zinchenko roles and go balls to the wall that have no holding midfielders and just be like Declan Rice. You can go who if you will confirm later that we did sign Declan Rice. Uh, that Declan Rice, go forward, do your thing, and you have two people to protect you behind you. Four if you count center backs. Uh, it, there's a lot you can do with him. He, he loves Arsenal, which is another win, right? He turned down Man United and we got him for forty million. Which is like nothing in today's market. That's like ten bucks today, right? That, that, that doesn't get you a, a milk bar, is I think the name of a candy bar in the UK. Yeah, and I, if I recall correctly, Man United bid more for him last summer than forty million, and he didn't want to go to them because he talked to Van Gaal, and Van Gaal said, "Don't go to Man United." And he and he's like, "I and and I actually like, yeah, we promise we'll let you go next summer if you stay one more year." Uh, he. You can tell the character of this guy, too. I, I really didn't know this much about him in terms of um, the aura he has, for lack of a better term. Everybody loves to use that word. But you see Ajax, once he left, it seems like everybody wants to leave now. Uh, Edson Alvarez is rumored to leave. Tadic begged for his contract to be terminated. Um, the farewell by Ajax was just class all around. 
it, it shows that he really left an impact on that on that club. Something that a certain uh, Argentinian short man didn't do at that club. Um, I didn't see any of that hype when he left. And the added bonus of this deal is this relationship we're building with Ajax. It seems like the negotiations are really good just by the way both teams announced it. You had the, I believe, Ajax in the bottom right corner of all their farewells had like the Arsenal logo X Ajax, like it's some fashion collab, right? It it was, it's kind of like, hey, we're going to be making business together in the future. This isn't the only deal. And if you know anything about football, you know that IX is one of the top five academies in the world in producing talent. Uh, so it's it's getting your foot in the door in a really good uh, market moving forward. So I just think it's a it, it's hard to say a perfect deal because we haven't seen him play. But at this point, it looks like the perfect deal. You paid under what this guy is worth, who fits your system perfectly, who can play multiple positions, who loves the club with a club who develops talent really well and you develop a relationship with this club that develops talent really well. And we just hit out of the park. So it, I love this signing. I'm more excited about the signing Declan Rice, but I think it's that what I, that is changing the last few days with what's been happening in the Declan Rice announcements and stuff like that. But this is a 10 out of 10 deal. Yeah, I remember a lot of people a few years back asking, why are Arsenal wearing these ugly red and white shirts where the white went down below the sleeve line, went all the way down? These look like Ajax shirts. That's how you build a relationship, people, you know? The art of the deal. Edu knows it. We don't. We're Edu in here on this podcast, and that is just one of the many reasons why he is proving to be the top sporting director in all of Europe. Um, that's all That's all very well and good, Nomics. I think there's a lot of interesting on-ball points to make about Urian Timber. I'm going to put you on the spot here, though. Namik, so we all know there's a YouTube channel called uh, The Different Knock that often seems to have subject matter ripped directly from the carpet chat. Uh, it seems like he's a fan of ours. I'm going to offer some of his analysis to you, though, Namik. He brought up on, on The Different Knock YouTube that, and I do not know The Different Knock guy's name, so I do apologize. It starts with an A, though. I do remember that much. That Timber is more of a one-on-one defender than a Ben White type. Not that he is of the quality defensively of a Takiro Tomiyasu, but that he's more used to defending those wide spaces, using the touchline to his advantage, and defending against a winger in a dangerous area like that. Nomix, I know we don't care about defense on this podcast. I know that's not your forte in the slightest, but I, I did think this was kind of interesting. Does this guy maybe more of a defensive fit than Ben White against the more dangerous wingers in the league? Do you see any possibility of that, or is that a make-believe? I think there's something to that. I, I do want to give credit to Ben White, though. He's improved dramatically in that area the last year. Um, I, I was skeptical of whether he can make that move to right back. And let me just say, before, when we signed Ben White, I was one of the first people in the Discord to say that he's going to play right back once Saliba came in. I, I, I saw that body type. I saw what Arteta likes to do. He, Arteta liked Callum Chambers as right back, so it was almost a given that Ben White was going to play right back. But I think Timber is probably a better one v one defender. Um, I, I just think he's a little bit better of an athlete than Ben White. Um, I, I wanted to make a, a remark that he likes football more than Ben White, so he likes to get the dirty work done more. But that's just that's obviously. I think just, the dirty work is the only thing Ben White enjoys in football. All right, he likes talking shit to the goalkeeper. And yeah, I think that Ben White's gonna appreciate having Urian Timber. They run very similarly. They they defend kind of like they. I don't know if that's the right word in football, but they size up uh, the person on the ball. It's very similarly too. I just feel like. Urian is smarter when it comes to where to put the defender to. Like, I mean, the attacker too. He does a good job of closing down angles to a level that I wish, I think Ben White has to develop. I think if, if there's a criticism with Ben White is that sometimes his body positioning is wrong in defending 1v1. Sometimes he um, doesn't understand the situation as to when to let them go down the line and when to force them inside to cut in. And I think that mostly goes because Ben White has played so many positions and it wasn't a, just a true defender his whole life. Um, and I think Urian Timber, coming from the best one of the best academies in the world, like I said, it's a top five academy in the world. They don't leave any stone unturned when it comes, especially with defending. Um, so I, I, yeah, I would say I, I would agree with that analysis that he's a better one v one defender. But I I don't want to knock Ben White because he's improved a lot on that uh, in that aspect. 
Fantastic. And, you know, I am uh, also an early advocate of Ben White at right back. That is the one area that me and Nomics have always aligned on. Uh, but as a Ben White truther, I, I come at this not of a love of William Saliba, but of a love of Ben White and his versatility. Uh, I think time will tell. I think hopefully we see a little iron sharpening iron here between those players. And uh, who knows? Maybe we get to see Ben White play a little bit more center back, a little bit more uh, three at the back options. Again, we, we open ourselves up to a few additional possibilities by adding a different archetype, but an archetype that we know we can use in Urian Timber. Um, I've also looked it up, and uh, the the British chocolate bar I thought I was referencing is apparently the Cadbury Dairy Milk Bar. Uh, just a milk bar is a, an Eastern European concept, also heavily featured in a Clockwork Orange. So I, I was slightly mistaken there, and it appears that you can milk get... milk bar is a, uh, a chocolatier in New York City, and we give no free advertisements. We do not give free so advertisements. We are not talking no. about milk bar tm we're talking about the general milk bar dairy milk bar which is uh 14 of them on amazon is about 36 dollars. so a little cheaper than urian timber but again we're talking we're talking dollars and cents here we're we're penny pinching here there's of course the pound and euro conversion as well urian timber essentially the cost of a candy bar for what might be a game-changing defender. Um, before we move on to Big Daddy Deckers, Dirty Dex himself, is there anything else you'd like to say on Timber, Nomics? Uh, the only concern I have with him is that he kind of looks a little too much like Martial. If you look at his face long enough, he looks a little like Anthony Mar- Martial, and that concerns me. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, finding, yeah, finding some uh... any concern. I'm not going to touch that one, and you can direct any uh, accusations of, of racismo uh, nomics his way, not mine. I'm, I'm staying away eyes. from that it's one. The eyes the, it's the eyes, not, uh, not, nothing else. Fully staying away from that one. Uh, again, the, the carpet chat is an open dialogue. We believe in the marketplace of ideas, and uh, why I will not censor nomics, I, of course, do not condone what he is saying. Um, let's move on to Declan Rice. Let's move on to a player that you have already racially profiled many times, Nomics, describing him as as lumbering, as stiff, as awkward. Um, but I would describe him as a captain, a leader, and a legend. Already at West Ham, he is those three things, and he will be those three things at Arsenal. He is the on-pitch replacement for none other than Thomas Party, a man who is not a captain, leader, or legend, and the off-pitch replacement for Granite Xhaka, who is our captain, leader, legend. We have replaced the 34 with the 41. Uh, the the font is a little too close together. The four and the one on the shirt in the press release and the, the initial photo shoot. That's my main critique of Declan Rice at this current moment. But we all know I've been all in on Declan Rice from the beginning. We all know that I felt that he was the number one option. I described him previously as a ceiling being a Yaya Torre-Casemiro hybrid. I do stand by that statement. That is his ceiling. Sonomics, I'm going to give you the floor first on this one. As our resident Declan Rice skeptic, as our Moises Caicedo enthusiast, how do you feel having seen Declan Rice holding up that 41 shirt, wearing a double-breasted suit jacket, and altogether just being a, a top English lad? Let's go in chronological order here. Um, we, 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 got, we got word that this was going to be announced on Saturday once West Ham dropped um, with has to be the strangest and pettiest goodbye I have I have seen from a club who wanted so much money for a player they said that was their whole club essentially. Uh, if you didn't know, West Ham essentially gave this vague statement, which not to mention Arsenal's fine. I think that was an agreement between the parties. But then they also added a quote from David Moyes saying that no player is bigger than the club, which is just the. It's it's just classless. I I find, um, you know, Declan Rice got you 105 million pounds. Uh, he didn't he didn't go to the media and say that I want to leave. He didn't beg for a move. He, we approached him in January apparently, and we he, we didn't know that. Um, and he didn't didn't go to the move. Didn't leak it or anything, right? Uh, he, he won you your biggest trophy in your history. Uh, so it, it's very strange. I, I hope West Ham get relegated this year. I think they have a good chance to, uh, especially when they're talking about replacing Declan Rice with someone like McTominay or I forget who the other one was that they just came out with today, but it wasn't it wasn't looking good. Um, I share the same concerns with you, FFG, about the number and plate being too close together. 
I have suggested that Declan Rice goes with D period Rice on the back of his jersey. 41, it might alleviate a little bit of the blocking concern, maybe stretch it out a little bit. I appreciate him going with 41, but let me go back to Arsenal and the announcement. They went on Twitter and they said, go to our YouTube account at 1 p.m. We're expecting this big video, maybe something similar to Abo when he signed his contract, right? He's at the stadium, he's doing like the little talking to the crowds like that. What it was is that they were in, they were at London Colony, Declan Rice, nowhere to be seen, uh, Martinelli sticking fingers up party's bum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Cedric not not being able to find a seat as as should have been done. He's no way to find a seat. Uh, Kieran Tierney, Tierney looking like he doesn't. He wants to be anywhere else but in that room. Uh, it was and then it was about it was a three minute video where the camera pans the office style to Declan Rice and, and Arteta goes. Do you want to say anything? And fair play to Declan Rice. I'll touch on all the points here, but he came off as someone that I didn't think he was before. Uh, he said some. He said some great things. He looked confident. Look like he belonged in that room. Look like he was there for years, right? And then goes to Yuri and Timber, and Yuri and Timber stutters a little bit and gets a little nervous, which is fine. But from what I saw from all the marketing, all the all the interviews was something that I think other people who knew him better than I did would say, hey, he's a captain material. He's like the consummate professional, right? He's the guy you want to build your club around. And I was like, and I always thought it's easy to say that when you're at West Ham, right? You're at West Ham. You've been there since you were a kid. You grew up in that. They give you the keys early. It's easy to be charismatic and all that stuff. You, You pretty much are the club. But to go into Arsenal on day one, give that same exact energy, whether it's an interview, whether it's making Win the Dog uh, shake her leg when you're scratching her ear, uh, whether it's, um, you know, saying, just being so welcoming and being like the only, like, being like you've been at London Colony for the last four or five years is something that really impressed me. And then made me say, hey, maybe, you know, maybe there isn't any concern here. Maybe I can, maybe he runs like a dinosaur, but he'll work hard enough where it's not going to be physically limited in four to five years. Uh, the Arsenal announcements were crap. I, I was my initial thoughts, but the more I let it sit on me, it's kind of the perfect announcement for Declan Rice. Cause you don't want to make it seem like it's a big deal. You want to make it seem like, Hey, this is where we are now, right? This is the club we're at. We're going to sign the best players in the league and we're going to move on just like it's normal business. Um, I, I believe I was in the Ars blog where he said this is a very Ars, this is a very um, Ferguson type of signing, and it's exactly what it feels like. It feels like Arteta has more Ferguson in him than Wenger in him. I think he, he has that ruthlessness. He has that we're going to do whatever we need to do to get this to get a championship back into North London. Uh, Adidas dropped one of the best videos I've ever seen in my life. And I clipped the end because it was kind of goofy when he said "Yes, Gunners, I'm here." Blah blah, blah all that stuff. I maybe. Uh, ex- exaggerating a bit, but overall, my concerns with him are being are going away slowly. I want to see him play, um, and like I said, my concerns with him wasn't him today. It's him four years from now, and that may still be the case. But I'm excited. I'm more excited than I was, even though we knew for four weeks this was happening, and I can't wait to see what uh, what he looks like, what this team looks like moving forward. Real all encompassing answer there, Namix. All right, a lot. A lot to touch on, a lot you've covered. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you the floor now. Well, well, yeah, I, I mean, I've already compared this man to Yaya Torre and Casemiro. So what more is there for me to say on Declan Rice? Um, I, I think his interaction with Win the Dog is, I agree, a very important moment in all of this. Uh, we forget, you know, Win the Dog came into the club in April, but could not sign a, a contract with the team until the transfer window opened. He can't register players until the summer window. So when the I dog's heard, integration, heard, very yeah. important. I also heard that uh, when the dog is having some visa issues, uh, something, you know, that... Well, the, there's uh, reports that when the dog's not coming to America because when the dog has a court case on the 18th that yeah, exactly. they need when to attend. So, uh, um, time will tell on that one. We'll find out. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of Rice, the reveal, Rice, the leader, I think there's a lot to touch on, but a lot that's already been said. Um, I kind of like the just like the camera. I, I like the just we know what that meeting room is. Again, we saw it so often on All or Nothing. We know the whole team's in there. You can very quickly figure it out. Oh, where is he in the crowd? 
Um, of course, that may be weakened by the fact that he was not visible in the crowd. Um, he was sitting all the way in the back next to his buddy Rammers, I'm sure, just you know, cracking up, just telling absolute top bants between the two of them, just two absolute uh, geezers, I think, as the English would say, you know, just uh, the, with, with the crack. You know, I, I've watched Love Island before. I know how these guys are. Um, but he did give a good statement afterwards. You're very right about that. Um, I thought the most interesting part was William Saliba sitting between Fabio Vieira and Gabby Martinelli. Maybe trouble in paradise with Martinelli and Vieira, or maybe we know that's a bit of a trio. We remember their Dragon Ball Z uh, goal celebration last season, but maybe Martinelli says, hey, I'd like to be friends with a good player, and that's what's happening there. Yeah, there's a leak coming from London calling me that um, th- that Martinelli and Fabio kind of keep their hands are on themselves too often, and uh, Arteta has tasked Saliba to stay between them to make sure that it doesn't get leaked out. We don't want any PDA or bad press because we are we do have fly Emirates in the front of our jersey, so we know what that means in certain regions, and we have to watch our marketing. So we have to make sure that. Certain players don't get exposed. Well, if we don't want a leak of uh, inappropriate locker room behavior, we've got the wrong guy on the job in William Saliba, that's for damn sure. Uh, But I digress. I think your point about this being a Sir Alex Ferguson signing, which is not your point, I don't think that was an Arscast point either. I think that might have been AVP, or maybe they all said it. Just everybody says this. If you have Arse, if you're a Patreon member for Arse blog, uh, it was on their reveal pod uh, for Declan Rice that came out. Got it. And then AVP came in and just shamelessly stole their content. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. When I was listening to the pod earlier today, I said he definitely got that from... from Which, by the way, ad-free for everybody. When I pay $5 a month for the ad-free pods, I think they should go back and retroactively add some extra ads in for everybody else. Um, but, but I digress. That's It's unimportant. I think you always have to think about the multiple types of transfers. You know, there, there are types of buys that teams make. We heard about this a lot when we were kind of trying to model our rebuild against Liverpool's rebuild. And we recognized that there were, you know, there were hidden gems. There were Gabby Martinelli's or slightly more expensive hidden gems. You know, maybe you can even argue a, a Martin Odegaard in some ways a hidden gem. A guy that you're the only guy in for, and you go out there and you say, hey, I found this guy, and I think he's going to be good, and I'm going to buy him. And then there are the guys everybody knows. And the guys everybody knows in this context, in the context of Liverpool's championship build and our rebuild, was a guy like Asadio Mane, a guy who is lower down in the table, who has been good, but maybe not that good. Uh, I think Virgil van Dijk also hit, hit this description as well where you say, I am going to pay 70 million pounds for this guy, when everybody else goes, yeah, I would take him at 40. You go out there and you pay the exorbitant fee required to get this guy. Declan Rice is not that type of player. Declan Rice is a third category of guy. Manchester City wasn't willing to get into a bidding war with us. That's correct. But believe me, if Declan Rice had answered the phone when Pep called and said, yes, I want to be a City player, come get me, they would have made that 105 million pound offer that we made every day of the week. Declan Rice is not an Arsenal player because Arsenal were the only team willing to put up 105 million for him. Declan Rice is an Arsenal player because Declan Rice wanted to be an Arsenal player. And this is a type of guy that Arsenal have never had access to before. This is not Dennis Bergkamp was a damaged good. Thierry Henry was a damaged good. Sol Campbell was a free transfer. This is the type of guy that Liverpool haven't had access to in their build. They went out and got Allison from a different league. Virgil van Dijk was an overpay, according to some people. Same goes for Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, who also, again, was, was from a different league. This is the type of player that Man City have gotten with, like, a Jack Grealish, that Man United used to get all the damn time, and that Chelsea maybe spent a decent period of the time in between those two windows getting the bulk of those guys as well. This is the guy that everybody wants, that everybody with money would splunk all their money on if they get the green light, and only one team gets the green light, and that was Arsenal this time. So in some ways, I'm not here to say Declan Rice is our greatest ever purchase, or that he's better than Bergkamp, better than Henri, but this is a caliber of signing bigger than Bergkamp, bigger than Henri, certainly bigger than Nicola Pepe, and even bigger than a Mesut Ozil. 
this is its own caliber of guy, and we've never seen this before for an Arsenal team, or at least you know, maybe back in the, the like pre-World War II days, you know, the, the Bank of London days maybe, but not in the era of Arsene Wenger, not in the era of George Graham, and certainly not ever since. Yeah, and you hit that perfectly nail on the head, but um, every club went for, every, every big club went for, De- went for Declan Rice. I guarantee you every big club did. We know Chelsea wanted him. We know Man City wanted him. We know United were offering a bag of rice and and uh, and McTominay for him. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 uh, Real Madrid called before the Bellingham thing and said, "Hey, what's the deal with this guy?" This is a rare. This there comes certain players in every few years that every team, every big club goes for, and then one club always end up, ends up getting them right, and it always ends up being Real Madrid. Always ends up being Barcelona. Ends up being Man City and and United's heyday. It was always Man United. Um, this is a seismic shift for our club. I think um, whether the media will appreciate it or not, probably not. They're probably gonna they're gonna start finding ways to slander Declan Rice, saying that nobody really wanted him. You already saw that City didn't really truly want him. But what it means for football, the football community, it means that players want to come here again. Players want to come to Arsenal. Players see we're a serious club. Players see we have a serious manager, we pay fair wages, and we have a young side. Um, so, you know, if if we can afford any uh, any player in the world, we can get any player in the world now. This is, it, we're in every conversation now, as long as we can make, if we can meet the threshold. Maybe we're not in the Mbappe conversation, the Neymar conversation, like those level of players, but that's purely wages, right? The, the wages and whatever transfer fee will be. But yeah, this is a big this is a big deal. This it, we've never had a deal like this in our history. We never had a deal where we're signing a, a pre prime player that everybody wants that is about to take the next jump. And it's nothing like Oza, nothing like Alexis Sanchez, nothing like Burkamp, nothing like Henri. Because like you were like you said, those were rejects for in some way or another, or just or lack of a better term, they were flops, right? Uh, so it, it's it's an, it's a seismic sh- shift for Arsenal. It, we have to give credit to Adu. We have Adu, and we have to give credit to Arteta, and we have to give credit to, to KSC because this was a conscious effort by all three of them to get this club back to where it is right now. We haven't won anything yet, but the club is healthier than it's ever been, and it's a great sign. It's funny. Healthy is an interesting word. It's almost that we're we're not healthy. We just are the sickness now, right? You know, the the illness of money in football came and destroyed us in the form of Roman Abramovich's Chelsea, and uh, now we've become the problem. Right now, we're out here destroying football, and let me tell you, it feels a lot better to be on this side of it. Yeah, and maybe yeah, healthy in terms of we are a healthy big club. We're back to being a big club, right? Being a big club, it was most early on before Roman, it was about titles, it was about stature, you academies, managers, right? Chelsea came in and said, you know what, we can expedite this and spend a shit ton of money and get some trophies, fuck academies, fuck managers, right? You you get the players, you get the trophies, um, and then we keep spending. And now the size of your club is determined by how much you spend. We are now like a Madrid and in in Barcelona Liverpool and United where it's like listen we're a big club we have the history and we have the finances now so clubs like Chelsea clubs like City uh, they're, they're gonna be kind of shit out of luck because if we can match the wages if we can match those the amounts they're offering or be somewhat close to it we have the other factors that will drag players into our club and I mean you want to talk other factors Declan Rice is gonna check every box I mean this is the most media savvy guy maybe in the entire English Premier League, maybe in just all, uh, at least all of English language footballing, maybe not in global footballing, but maybe so. Uh, this is a guy who is probably going to be the next manager, or I'm sorry, not next manager, the next captain of the English national team. Uh, maybe the next manager as well. We, we never know. Um, stranger things have happened. 
Um, this is a guy who really checks every intangible box. And if you're going to have one player as your big signing, uh, you probably take Kylian Mbappe. But after that, you probably want a guy who is that leader, who is that off-the-pitch guy, and who is going to, if not make his money back tangibly in shirt sales or whatever other financial levers you want to think about there, but is going to represent the club and is going to be as prominent as any player can be for that transfer fee there's a lot of that in Declan Rice. He certainly checks every box in that way. Uh, in addition to, again, being the love child of Casemiro and Yaya Torre on the pitch, um, or maybe Yaya Torre and John Terry, if you ask Declan Rice, but I will never say anything kind about John Terry. That's for damn sure. Uh, anything else you want to touch on with Rice before we just move on to any other transfer news of the week? I think one quick thing. Um, the fee... I feel more comfortable. I mean, that we all know we're not we're not accountants here. Me and you are openly. We don't give a fuck what we spend. But with people who are concerned about the the amount we spent, I hope they feel a little better after those interviews, right? Because we just lost a big locker room guy in Shaka, and I just think we replaced a better version of him um, in Ben in uh, in Declan Rice. Uh, I I think he's gonna be a better locker room presence than I than Shaka was. Uh, just by his charisma, it seems like he's just he just looks like he was built for Arsenal and, and for an Arteta group and to be that leader. I would not be surprised if after the season, um, Declan Rice is captain. Uh, I, I think maybe this might be Odegaard's last season as captain. Um, I know this I'm projecting way, not in like a, he's going to get stripped of the captaincy, but it's going to be a transitional where it's like we have two captains now and then like eventually go to Declan Rice as wearing the captain's armband. So that, that's my, that's my uh, projection into the future. Uh, not, that's not Odegaard slander. That's more just Declan Rice uh, praise. Uh, maybe we'll have we'll suddenly have two pages of captain's notes in the program. We'll have vice captain's notes also in the program. An extremely prominent vice captain. Uh, suspiciously so, perhaps. Uh, which, again, if Odegaard's the technical leader, then we need an emotional leader, and Declan Rice is just that. Um, my thoughts on the fee, I guess. Is any player worth £100 million besides killing Mbappe? I don't really know. And then to to further... Wow. And Bukowski. So I was gonna, that, was, that was my next point. No, so please don't cut me off. My next point, beyond is any player worth £100 million, you maybe say yes. Is any non-attacker worth £100 million? Is someone who's not going to bang goals worth £100 million? Again, I don't know. Is single pivot DM an extremely difficult position to find a player in? Is this type of possession dominant single pivot DM not a really tough role to fill? And if any of these guys are 100 million pound players, I think Declan Rice is one. Again, whether he's 100 million pounds or not, I don't know. But he is clearly, to me, the highest caliber of player in this role. And I think this role is pretty damn valuable. So that's all I'd have to say is if anyone's a 100 million pound player who's not a goal scorer, I just don't see why Declan Rice isn't one. He he is the highest caliber. He's prime age. Again, we got him for five plus one for six years. and He'll turn 30. He'll still probably have some good years left in him after the contract. He does everything off the pitch, sure. But even ignoring all of that, what this guy is as a ball winner and a ball progressor, I just think it's best in class. It's it's top of the list. It's top of the line. It's the right age. And to me, that sounds like a 100 million pound player. So that's that's really all I have to say when it comes to the price point. Yeah, uh, I think that position's the hardest position to find someone competent in, uh, especially because it's very system dependent. Uh, I think we're going to see... We're going to see we actually got incredible value for Declan Rice once we see what the Caicedo deal is, once we once we see what other uh, DMs out there. I know that there's rumors that uh, Palinha from Fulham is rumored to be 60 to 70 million. When, you, when you're comparing it in that term, like, is is Declan Rice 40 million better than Palinha, who's 28 years old? For me, the answer is yes, uh, easily. So I think we're going to see next couple of years that the value for, that we got for Declan Rice is going to be incredibly good. Um, and yeah, we're, it's a tough position. I think it's, I would probably say it's a tough position to find a player in, in the world. Uh, that that specific sixth position, if you're a big club. Um, 
that's why you see a club like United last year just spending money on an older one because they couldn't find anybody else around that price to build their side around. So it's a tough position, and I think we have ours for the next uh, five-plus years. All right, we're hitting the hour mark, which is about that time, but we'll just take a little time to do a little whip around. Any other transfer news? Um, party some more murmurs with Saudi Arabia, maybe. We both know our thoughts on that one. We would love to sell him, and we would love to sell him for substantial money, even more. So yes and yes, but who knows there. Um, Kieran Tierney news, pretty damn quiet, a little suspiciously quiet. Starting to get a little concerned that uh, number three with the tucked-in shirt might be wearing red and white next season as well. Yeah, um, we all know my feelings on TP5. I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd cancel his contract if, if, that was a cha- if that was an option. It seems like he actually might have some genuine ish, in, interest uh, in Saudi Arabia, which would be great. Uh, Balogun, there's some inter-foxes out there, inter-ITKs, that, that are saying that they're moving for him, uh, which would be sad, but also... They they should have de- uh, some money at least, uh, if maybe a million installments, but it should work. All right, they have forty uh, to... million that they were going to give for Lukaku before Lukaku turned Ooh. out to snake them for Juventus. Uh, a fascinating and seemingly completely irrational yeah. move. Throw ten more million on it and give and come for Balogun. We're, yeah. we'll, we'll accept that. Um, if that, if those two move, I can see us moving for a, another midfielder. Uh, who else? Um, Karen Tierney, yeah, not been much. I think he'll he'll be gone. I I, I think he's 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 a good player. He just doesn't fit our system, right? And I think our fans underrate him. I think he is a very good player. I think he could be a really good left, or he is a really good left back in this league. It's just a matter of what system fits him. Newcastle screens uh, a perfect fit for him. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Rob Holding. Uh, going to Turkey rumored not for another hair transplant because actually play football so perhaps that that's on the in the offing um I wish Enkedia was moving no news on Sambi which is a little bit concerned for me as well I would like to see Sambi go I haven't seen Sambi news at all it's Burnley or bust I assume right yeah it's the Sambi news not just Sambi news a transfer just Sambi news in general right we haven't seen like any training photos I mean I'm, I'm sure well, he's in the I think they changed the the code for the door so his badge doesn't let him into London Colony anymore yeah like that New York Jets video when he was yeah. going to the, the door yeah yeah uh, so I would like to see Sambi go um other than that Cedric I'm assuming that's gonna be a contract termination uh and then incomings I think if we move party and Balogun. I can see us signing another mid-tier big player. We're not going to be spending $100 million, but I can see us spending $60 million. Yeah, um, and it seems like that's going to be either or both of some kind of midfielder and some kind of forward. That seems to be the line of thought. Um, yeah, we know Zabby t- Simon's going back to PSG. That's not going to be the forward. You got any thoughts on, on who either of those guys might be if we do bring in uh, an incoming in either slot? I uh, it seems like we are moving for players we moved for last summer or in the winter, and we're kind of continuing that trend. It seems like we've had targets for the last couple of years. We're trying so, to get over the line. Balogun for Mudrick player swap? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I'm thinking more uh, the Gabri Viega from uh, Celta. I think he's plays for Celta, right? Uh, he fits us like a glove. He's 22. I know people now, now everyone's going to be concerned about whatever young midfielder we bring in because of Fabio Vieira. But this kid is the real deal. Um, he's a true eight, eight an eight ten. I think next season we're going to see more single pivot, and I think that an eight ten is what we need more than an eight six that we had last year. So I can see him forty million euro release clause. So that's a drop in the bucket. Um, I know City and City, Real Madrid, Arsenal are, are rumored to are rumored to be interested, which is a good a good group of teams tough crowd, to tough crowd, yeah. And and he came out saying that he wants to play for Arteta, like straight up said it in uh, in a Spanish interview. So it, it it's it's a good sign. It's looking good, bruv, as they say across the pond. Uh, as for attackers, I have no idea that. I I guess if you believe certain ITKs, we might we might go in for uh, João Felix. I think he'd be great for us. I still think um, I I still think that Atletico is going to want a big wage. There. I mean, a big fee there maybe too big um, for us to make a move on. So, yeah, though he would be great for us, though. I think he'd be fantastic for us. But I think to get a, pers- a sh- attacker of that quality, we'd probably have to move Balogun and Enkedia. 
um, and Pepe. You forget about Pepe. Pepe is probably going to move too. Um, and if not, I can see us going maybe a Fernand Torres, uh, someone like that level who I don't rate very highly, but people who like are better at judging football than I do kind of like him. Can he get over the England weather 2.0? We'll see. Um, so yeah, there's there's options out there. I I don't see us. Oh, and that Botello kid from from Brazil. I've seen him play a couple times. 23 years old. He's a good player, but I I don't I don't see I don't see uh, exactly the the point of signing him. Um, but listen, if he's 10 million, it's a drop in the bucket, right? Like, does that really hurt us? 10 million like that? We can, we'll get that much for Sambi. So we'll see what happens. I think there's at least two moves to happen, and one and of those two moves, uh, one bigger move. Yeah, time will tell. Again, I think forward archetypes kind of interesting. Um, you know, midfielder, it's do we want a six eight or do we want an eight ten? Uh there's not too much to discuss beyond that, and there seems like strong options for both. There's a Romeo Avia for a guy farther back, assuming Liverpool don't scoop him up before we're ready. Uh and there's there's Gabri Vega uh for that farther forward slot. Whereas forward, God, it could be anything, right? It could be a Joe Felix, a, another nine ish type, false nine ish guy. Uh, Shadow Striker, we're bringing Shadow Strikers back. We have Kai Havertz. Uh, it, it could be a run-in behind winger, a stretcher of sorts. That's kind of the like-for-like thing we need. It's a left-footed one of those. But good God, they don't exist, and they're extremely expensive for a really mediocre player when you do buy one. Or, or who knows, maybe it's my dream, and it's an alternate profile striker. It is a tall forward, tall forward money gang. And uh, I am not retiring Gabby Jesus. We just use Jesus at right wing at times because he is much, much better than every other right winger on the market. Um, So it is interesting in the forward slot. If we do add there, it's really hard to figure out exactly what kind of guy we're even after, let alone which guy specifically it is. And I think there's one thing we all know for certain and, and that's where we shouldn't be going for any more defenders. And I was going to say we won't go for any more defenders. But we don't know with Arteta's obsession with center backs. We do not know what this guy might do. We might sell all these midfielders and attackers and bring in two more center backs. We just don't know. So, you know, If God what bless. it takes to keep Mikel Arteta at this club is allowing him to buy a new left-footed center back every single season, then we're doing it. Like, we're buying him one every season as a treat. It's okay. As long as, long as that guy is in, is it Eric Garcia from Barcelona? Is that his name? Yeah. I, I, I can't, st- I think he is so bad. Um, but Arteta seems to have some obsession with him from his city days. So I could see us maybe making a move for him, but that would that probably drive Shoddy off the walls if we signed him, um, and yeah. So and and if we signed him and Lavia, and those are our two last signs, Shoddy might uh, destroy the Discord and uh, put a hit in for this podcast. Well, for everyone's safety, then hopefully that's not the case. Nomics, I think that just about wraps it up. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, I think that we I think we keep, we got the green light to finally. Um, to finally disclose uh, Shuk's disability, for lack of a better term, or illness. So what happened to Shadi is he's been diagnosed with 